0: Find Love at First Drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast.
1: I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of
0: fruity drink involved.
1: With Matt Harmon.
0: It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. (laughs) Thank you. Someone clip that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. No more time for messing around here. It is the busiest. Time of the year for fantasy football. It's draft season. It's the time of year where people actually care about me and my guest today. I'm guest, my co-host. I mean, co-host Andy Barron's here, the purveyor of great wisdom. As you said um, a couple episodes ago, this is really the the time of year where people give a damn about us the most. So, <laughs> I mean, I still don't like. Are here.
1: I don't get I don't get recognized exactly very often, but I get a lot of people who like look at me and kind of like, you know, double take and they're like, did we used to work together? Did you go to such and such high school? I get a lot of that this time of year. Not not outright recognition, but it's something
0: mild like you look familiar but you have a pretty yes. distinct face so i feel like they they should remember that you are the one that told them hey you have the fifth pick in the draft here's how this is going to go for you that type of thing i mean you are you are on the feature uh feature material on the yahoo fantasy app
1: i have been at bars before where like dudes are having a fantasy draft and like my face will pop up on their screen and i'm like five feet away and there's just no there's just no recognition <laughs>
0: What a shame. Well, maybe someday we'll be celebrities, uh, Andy, but today is not that day. What we are going to do here is we're going to tell you how to avoid some common mistakes that I mean, Andy, I know I've made some of these mistakes before. Everybody makes these mistakes when drafting teams. You know, just a heads-up disclaimer here. For various reasons, we are recording this podcast episode a few days before you're hearing it. So apologies in advance if we make a comment about a player or a team without being up to date on the latest news involving them. Just keep that in mind as we talk going forward. Okay, so on to the show. So... Andy, before we jump into our, we each each have five things here, five mistakes. I wanted to kind of start this off with a general question because this is something I've been thinking about. I typically draft off of um, positional tiers, right? And because one of my mistakes was gonna be like not using tiers, because I but I didn't end up making that an official one, but I'm kind of squeezing it in here as like a bonus <laughs> one. Um, I think drafting without tiers is a mistake because it can help you really just. Decide when runs are ending or beginning on players. Um, I I know our our mutual friend, John Daigle, I saw him tweet this the other day. uh, And again, this is dated, but he said during like the Texans preseason game uh, when Damian Pierce was going off, he's like, there's going to be a bunch of people that draft like, you know the D- david you know all the all the dead zone favorites all the dead zone hall of famers this year ahead of damian pierce this weekend in your drafts don't be one of those people and i think if you just like look at the tier of dead zone backs and just be like i'm not taking any of those guys but i'm going to wait here to the post dead zone tier it can make a lot of sense do you prefer but at the same time i've also thought recently because of that i've never drafted off an overall list i actually don't like making overall rankings but do you think that is a mistake? What is the best set of rankings to use, and what are you? Are, how which ones are a mistake to draft off of?
1: Man, we're we're definitely in in lockstep here because I always I always find it painful when we have to actually go through the process of creating overall ranks, uh, you know, for the site. Because I would just, I, 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 mean, that's the only time I look at them. I'm, I'm not looking at overall ranks like when I'm actually in a draft because I have immediate positional needs that I have to address. Right, like I'm building a team that isn't, that isn't theoretical, and it's not a team. I don't. I'm not in any leagues where. Um, Every position is a super flex, right? And I could and I could start. I could start anybody. Like I, it it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me how I value Josh Allen relative to um, the the you know the second tier of running backs or the third tier of running backs or the second tier of receivers or something like that. I you know I'll, I'll hit spots where where I have uh, positions to fill and I'll go ahead and fill them. So I'm I'm only working off of positional ranks and tiers when I'm in a draft. Um, The notion that you're getting at is is completely right as well, because sometimes you're you know, sometimes you're faced with a choice in a draft with a clock ticking down where like. There's one receiver that you really regard, maybe two receivers that you really regard as like a a potential, you know, wide receiver one, somebody who can finish in the top five at the position, and then there'll be a whole group of running backs, or there'll be a whole group of tight ends that you think are basically the same. And you know, you're going to get one of those guys uh, around later. Um, Yeah, that I mean, that is the essence of why it's really important to use tiers. You got to know when, you know, the value is really running dry at a particular position.
0: I guess to play devil, devil's advocate and just something I've been thinking about recently with, you know, the, the benefit of overall rankings as opposed to just positional tiers, is I do get the question a lot. It's just several examples of this. It's like, when do you start value? Like where does your tier five of receivers rank relative to your tier three of running back, stuff like that, or even more practical example, you said, Josh Allen, it's like, well, when do you start considering quarterback tier one, when you get to the running backs, like what tier do those guys intersect? Or Kyle Pitts, like I've had folks ask—I mean, the Kyle Pitts thing—but like n- not not in terms of route <laughs> charting, but just like where do you value Kyle Pitts relative to your tier of receivers? Like which tier would he fall? And I'm and when people ask this, part of me is like, you know what would make this really easy—an <laughs> overall ranking list. <laughs>
1: Well, there are also cases where, you know, I I might have like for me, there's a tier of two at the top at tight end, right? It's Andrews and it's Kelsey and you can include pits in there, but that's, you know, you're 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 building in a a pretty dramatic improvement year over year. That's not the kind of thing that I would normally do when I'm picking a player in like the second or third round is just assuming that they're going to be a lot better than they were the year before. I, I don't like, I don't really fish in that second tier, third tier at tight end at all. I'm just, I, for whatever reason, I, I recognize that they are very good players. I can imagine that there is a price at which I would, I would jump on Kyle Pitts, but uh, for practical purposes, there's always somebody in a draft who assumes that he's going to be 1200 yards and seven touchdowns this year. And so they're drafting him as they should in round two, round three, right? Not round two, but yeah, round three, round four, something like that. I just don't have him there. Um, so there's, there's whole, there's whole tiers at certain positions that I just never get. I'm perfectly happy if I don't get one of those first two tight ends to, to wait a pretty long time. That's not for everyone. um, But that, that factors into it as well. And the, the Josh Allen, you know, uh, uh, riddle is really, I I happen to think there's like, there's like eight quarterbacks who could finish as the QB one. I would not, I love Josh Allen. I don't consider him a tier of his own quarterback. Um, which is not to say that I, you know, I might, I might even include Trey Lance in that, in that group of guys who I could, I could squint and see a possibility of finishing as the overall QB one. That doesn't mean that I put Trey Lance in Josh Allen's tier, but it's not like Allen isn't alone for me. Allen Allen had a great season last year, but it wasn't a you know you won your league if you had Josh Allen kind of season. I don't I don't think he's separated from that group of th- that is pretty deep, right? And we could take it all the way down to Jalen Hurts. I mean, I think they're all fundamentally the same, and I don't I don't mind, I, I don't care which one I get.
0: So it definitely sounds like you and I think it is a mistake to to not draft with tears. Uh, but let's move into our official uh list here you've got five i've got five i'm gonna let you go first with your um initial big mistake that people make
1: yeah my first one is pretty basic it's very 101 but it is something that i think a lot of uh, i don't want to use the term casual players but you know people who aren't like uh, ear to the ground on football uh 365 days a year right like yeah let's that's, say that's, let's that's say most new, especially people. new
0: players and new new players too this is a big thing
1: yeah, this is a huge one for new players. The idea that you can just plot out your entire season and you you care a lot about bye weeks when you're building your team is crazy to me. Um, looking at bye weeks at all, I wish we didn't even show them in the, in the yeah. draft app, uh, honestly, because the idea that you can plan for your quarterback's bye week in November is just nuts. Um, you can't. Like, you absolutely can't. This is a... <sighs> You're just doing damage to your team when you like. I guarantee that three years ago, um, when Lamar Jackson had that crazy breakout season. One of the greatest seasons uh, in the history of his position. I, I guarantee there's people who didn't draft Lamar Jackson because oh his bye week didn't line up with my starting quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger or whoever, right? And that was just a big flaming mistake.
0: Oh boy, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: like I mean that's just a big flaming mistake. Like your draft is this one opportunity that you have to just collect as much talent as possible. There's never another chance like this, and y- you know you you should be reaching selectively. You but you, the, like of of all things, you should not be thinking about, oh man, when it comes to to you know, the week 10, uh, my quarterback's gonna be on a buy, I can't have this guy. My tight end's gonna be on a buy, I can't have this guy. No, you should just draft as much talent as you can and realize that like, you know, we're gonna be a couple weeks into the season and Two of your guys haven't even played, you're gonna drop them. Two other guys are gonna be injured, you're gonna drop them. You might have another guy who's suspended for six games. You might have another guy who's like a part-timer and uh eh, do I hold up? Like you're gonna you're gonna flip so much of your roster. The idea that you can just make these plans uh well ahead of time is is just silly. It never works out that way.
0: Yeah, I think expecting chaos is always a good thing. Um and I actually like the way you you frame the draft is this is your one big chance to collect talent because I think you know, sort of this is a mistake I think people make, but, you know, they view it as, like, filling out a roster, right? Like, like all right, I got to get my starting positions at each. It's like, no, you, you want to collect the best talent on your team because things are going to go crazy at some point. I mean, that's kind of the, the whole theory behind zero rb is like you know running backs are super fragile uh like wide receivers are anti-fragile you know and regardless of what you think i mean we know what derrick henry thinks about zero rb but like <laughs> <laughs> um regardless of what you think about like the strategy of zero rb that is kind of the principle of it and that that is true that chaos will hit at some point and like you're not going to have your number two receiver is not going to necessarily need your fourth guy doesn't need to not have the same bye week like who cares, but people get really, people get really hung up on that still. So I think it's a good call out.
1: Yeah. People, uh, people focus on like, I'm in leagues with people, you know, these are more like college buddy leagues, um, old workplace leagues where, I know these people have been playing for twenty years, and they still talk about bye weeks in the draft room. And I don't like to—I don't like to correct it because, hey, they're you know they're they're paying to get in this yeah, league, yeah, yeah, and yeah,
0: yeah. that's to
1: my benefit <laughs> if you really care that much about about bye weeks, and you really care that much about backing up your tight end. Um, but it's it's <laughs> wild to me that that people do this.
0: You could also argue too that. Um, like last year, there was that like bye apocalypse or whatever. I know we probably said it like a hundred times on <laughs> FFL at some point last year, but you know, like the Vikings and the Chargers, and, like the Steelers, like all these teams with a ton of fantasy players were on the bye week that same that same week. It's like you can honestly argue that hey, that's one week of the season. Like maybe you just get the sh- kicked out of you that one week and then actually right? have your full roster the entire year. There, there's there's some wisdom in that. Um, you mentioned reaching. That's actually my first mistake. I think that people get too caught up in reaching a full, or God forbid, like, multiple rounds on a player just because he is your guy, right? And I'm talking, like, by ADP, not default ranks. I'm not going to call out another platform here, but uh, I, I was helping somebody with their draft a couple of – um, well, a couple of days ago, but, you know, almost like a week ago by the time we released this. uh, And, you know, I was saying, like, you just – don't take any of these goofball running backs. Like you need to go ahead and take Damian Pierce. Like this is, this is the Damian Pierce zone, like swing big, um, you know, put your stones on the line here and go, go get Damian Pierce at this point. And they're like, he's 130th overall. And like the pre pre-draft default range, but I don't care. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't care about that. But like by ADP, I don't think you want to take, especially early in the draft. Um, and some people do this. I know Lord podcast was talking about this before the, uh, before we started taping, like to stack guys or whatever. I actually think like trying to stack too much outside of like the very best offenses in the NFL, like sometimes it is, you know, if you like the year Peyton Manning was with the Broncos and threw all those touchdowns, like sometimes the person who won the league was who drafted the most Broncos, but that's kind of a rare situation. So any sort of situation where in a non large field tournament, you end up reaching too much. I think you can get yourself in trouble because we have to bake in the possibility that not just chaos hits, but that we're also wrong, you know. And um, <laughs> if I really like, I'm trying to think of a concrete example of you know, Nico Collins guy, I really I really like taking Nico Collins in the late rounds. And I'm like, you need to get Nico Collins on all your teams or whatever. I'm not telling you to go like in the eighth round and pick Nico Collins because you don't have to do that. Right. So I think yeah. being mindful of ADP and not reaching too much. And passing up legitimately good value guys who are going in that range for you know to get one of your guys, like get your guys, but just be you know sort of mindful not to go too crazy about it.
1: Yeah, you should also have a big list of guys so that your whole yes. draft doesn't come crashing down if you don't get Nico freaking Collins, right? Like I, I think <laughs> he, I think he might be good, um, but we got to have a big list of guys like Nico Collins, so I'm not just absolutely gutted if uh, if he doesn't fall to me in in round ten or round eleven or some such thing. Uh, it is a <laughs> it is it is absolutely a really good point, although I like I this might be the one thing that we talk about where I am guilty of of breaking this role a little bit like I, I do oh, have a you know, I always put together a you know, I've got a handful of guys in my head that I want to that I want to reach for. But you also have to know your you know, I guess this would be the, the corollary here. You got to You got to know your group like I guess I'm I'm not in any of these leagues anymore, but people have sent me screenshots of drafts where somebody just sent me a screenshot of a draft where like not a super flex, Tom Brady went first overall. Um, You know, the guy at the turn took like Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, and then came back with like two more chargers. And like people do crazy (laughs) stuff. And this is the thing that is so easy to forget because we're like in this bubble where we're just producing fantasy content all the time. And throughout the offseason, we're just bouncing ideas off of other people who do what we do. And we're just all in this sort of hardcore fantasy football bubble. 98% of people playing this game are in leagues where somebody might take Aaron Rodgers in the first round, right? They're just a fan, you know, like, that's, that's what goes on. In almost all fantasy, like season-long redraft fantasy leagues, people draft the players they like from the teams they like. There's always a guy or two like that. You want them in your league because you want, you know, you want them paying their league fees. But you gotta know your I guess what I'm saying, this is a very long way of saying that you just gotta you gotta know your group and you gotta know the groups in which Damian Pierce is um like somebody's gonna take a shot on Damian I was in a super flex draft last night with uh John Daigle as a matter of fact and I if super flex and somebody took Damian Pearson like round five because he had just scored a touchdown oh, minutes boy. before yeah. Yeah. um you better be right like you better be right but in that league if you wanted Damian Pierce that's pr- that's probably where he had to go um you know he was gonna go in round five or round six if you're in a league with with people who are perhaps not, you know, paying attention to the actual results that are coming in in preseason week three, while they're drafting, like if you're in one of those leagues, you don't need to do that with Damian Pierce. You can feel comfortable that you're probably going to get him in in round eight. You're probably going to get him in round nine because that's that syncs up with uh, with the pre-ranks on on whatever site you're drafting at.
0: Yeah, they're not aware that, like, Antonio Gibson is Washington Washington's kick returner, not his, you know, not the starting running back, which he was, you know, just a I, month by the ago. Way, it was a
1: tough scene for Antonio Gibson in this draft last oh, night. He no. hung out there a long time. It was like we were all just staring at Antonio Gibson and, like, Tyler Lockett and being like,
0: I don't know, I'm not going to be the guy. Oh, come on. Tyler Lockett. So, that's so disrespectful. to poor Tyler Lockett. <laughs> I can't wait till he outscores DK Metcalf this year. That's going to be incredible. Um, oh, all right, that's not a, a real that's that's not a real prediction. Um, edit edit that one out. They <laughs> were pre recording. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, all right, let, give me your second one, and I, I like this one a lot because I think we can really unpack this one a, a good bit.
1: Yeah, there are um, you know, occasionally I'll get questions on on Twitter where people are like, uh, you know, who is the who is the backup that I want in Tennessee in case Derrick Henry goes down, or who is the backup that I really want? You know, wherever I could apply this to almost every team. You know, like you don't James Conner. I get that question. We get um, you, you know all all sorts of these questions about who the immediate backup is to a bunch of running backs. Where like, I don't, I don't, I don't think the backup is going to do exactly what the starter does, right? Like you don't have to. You don't have to draft every understudy running back in the league. Um, That is not important. Like nobody's coming in and doing Christian McCaffrey things. If Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, that's not like a, there's no one for one replacement there. No one's coming in and doing Derrick Henry things. If Derrick Henry gets hurt, nobody's like, nobody's going to step in and handle 26 carries a game and give you 160 rushing yards reliably. That's not like a one man job. There are a handful of situations where we can reasonably say, okay, we've seen it from this backup running back in small samples. We we know what they can do. Perhaps it's worth, um, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna draft Dalvin Cook, maybe I do want Alexander Madison. That is totally reasonable because I think Alexander Madison would actually handle um, almost the full workload, and he could be like ninety percent, ninety-two percent of Dalvin Cook. Like that's fine. Not every situation is like that, you know, whatever you've got planned for Saquon Barkley this year, there is currently no one on the Giants roster who's going to step in and catch, catch like 90 passes and handle, you know, 25 to 30 touches a game. Most situations, you know, there's no backup who can just step in and do the thing. So you you don't need to focus on it everywhere. You need to maybe come up with a list of like the five or six situations where it might be worth um, chasing a backup, but that is, that is not most teams.
0: Yeah. Great example. And it does feel like the, some of the biggest backs in fantasy right now actually don't have um, a clear cut number two. Right. I mean, and even some situations you think it's, this is the thing that really, um, you know, gets people in trouble is that like, you think that you know who that second running back is and it's, and it's not that guy. Um, The Chargers, great example. People thought it was going to be Isaiah Spiller and he obviously eventually gets hurt, but like, it's not even before that it was clearly not going to be spiller at least not right away to start the season um so sometimes like yeah they go straight to committees it's not the number 2 guy that you think it is um and i i will actually expand on this point too if you are going to draft a backup running back you know the running back understudy like you said make it somebody else's backup not your like i right right don't you don't have to really you don't got to pair up your running back with his backup running back. Like if you take Dalvin cook and you don't have to take Alexander Madison, but if you don't take Dalvin cook, you can absolutely take Alexander Madison and you got to obviously have somebody. you know, you're going to sit there and he's going to do nothing, 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 but man, it feels good when if Dalvin cook gets hurt in week two, week three, you've got Alexander Madison on your roster. And that I think, I think like uh pairing your running back with their backup is, is it's a floor play, but the ceiling play is to, if you, t- and also by the way, God forbid you do this in like the single digit rounds. Like I had somebody ask me the other day, should I take <laughs> Zeke and Tony Pollard? And it's like, No, don't you don't want that because they're probably not gonna coexist together very often. They each have standalone value and and each have great upside if one of the other gets hurt, but you don't wanna you really just put yourself in a bad position from a ceiling perspective if you only have because all you've really gained if your starter gets hurt and you have the backup is you've just got a lesser version of the player you already had, most likely.
1: Yeah. Another thing I'll mention here is that oftentimes the guy that you and this, this goes along with something that you were that you were suggesting. Oftentimes the guy that like the guy that may have the third down role, the guy that may have the, you know, the, the, you know, they get into a four minute situation. Um, they get into a hurry up situation. The guy who has that role is not necessarily the backup to the, right. to the starting running back, right? Like they may just love that player in that role. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, who's a good example. Naheem Hines is not just going to step in and be Jonathan Taylor, Um, JD McKissick is just not going to step in and be, I don't know, whoever it is, Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson, right? Like that, (laughs) that's, James Cook may not be the guy who just steps into a to a full workload uh, in, in Buffalo, necessarily, because they like the teams want these guys because of their pass catching ability for their for their specific abilities in specific situations This happens all the time in like b- baseball too. like a team may just want to leave a guy in their role in a bullpen. And, they, you know, it's not the guy that you think is going to is going to take over a closing role or something like that. Like sometimes teams just like to let people thrive in what they do best.
0: I think one example um, that I was thinking about from the past, not like a current example, is like the Seahawks running backs were always like this. Like Marshawn Lynch yeah. was the, um, you know, Marshawn Lynch was the starter, but then they had like Robert Turbin kind of as that that third down-ish back. And then uh, Kristen Michael was like the direct backup. Michael was never going to do anything unless, uh, unless Marshawn Lynch got hurt. But Robert Turbin was necessarily not going to come in there and and dominate the touches like so. That's a really I don't know why that's that example probably sticks with me, but just because of Kristen Michael. But um, anyways, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on from that. My second one here is not focusing enough on player archetypes, and I know this is a little more dorky and a little I guess more complicated than just don't draft a bunch of guys that are you know because of bye weeks or something like that. Uh, so. I would say that the, the the thing behind this is and I think it's especially pertinent at the wide receiver position, is you don't want a bunch of like Deshaun Jackson types, you know, the boomer busts. But at the same time, you don't want a bunch of Jarvis Landry types they you know and that's the example I always go to just because those guys kind of stand out these guys you don't want a bunch of just high floor guys with low ceilings and you don't want just a bunch of high ceiling guys with low floors like you want to make your roster kind of complement each other I think it's really easy to do it with the wide receiver position I think for running backs you probably don't want a bunch of like early down banger guys you know at the same time you don't want to just be like I'm taking all of the the James White types the, you know uh, this guy could <laughs> maybe catch like 50 passes But he doesn't have much of a ceiling like the guys we just were talking about that won't inherit the the James Cook types. They're probably not going to inherit like feature back workload in case of injury chaos. So, again, kind of a little more complicated to explain, but I think just trying to make sure you don't have a bunch of volatile guys or a bunch of high floor guys, you want to make your roster kind of complement itself.
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a good point. And uh, it it is an especially important detail to note that like, you just absolutely don't want like an entire, you know, like you can have one guy who's like Will Fuller, right. And it's it's, super high variance. They're going to have two, maybe three absolute blow up games a season. Um, And when they blow up, it's like 180 yards and two touchdowns, three touchdowns, you win your week. Like, I'll take one guy like that. And I, and I really like to have it too. Like I, I love yes. having a guy like that. And I feel like I can build a roster that can survive the fact that that guy is also going to have a bunch of two catch three catch 30 yard weeks, but that is the profile, it, but you can't, you can't build an entire team of that. Um, cause, cause you're going to have whole weeks where like all of your receivers are just like three catches for 35 yards and you can't, that's no way to live. Like you've got to have some guys who are just, bankable volume each and every week you know keenan allen is too high end an example but just sort of those high volume slot guys they're gonna catch 75 passes they're gonna catch 80 balls something like that it's probably 900 yards it's probably five or six touchdowns but those guys have value in in certainly deeper leagues and then you want to have a receiver who's just an every weaker right like you you uh, ideally you'll have somebody from that Justin Jefferson down through Tyreek Hill, you know, Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, that group where it's just week in, week out, you're getting numbers, they are getting 12 targets, they're getting 11 targets, and you are getting eight or nine catches in and in a decent yardage total.
0: He's like that guy that you talked about the Will Fuller types. He's your mic drop guy, right? Like you, you know, you yeah. he, he can come in there and drop the mic and win you your win you your week. Like it's over once he goes for that 180-yard t- to you know, multiple touchdown game, but you can't really bank on it every week like you said. I think a really good example this year and I know everybody doesn't agree with this. Dalton is like Gabe Davis. <laughs> I think Gabe Davis. I'm there yeah. some of these players the Will Fuller types, the the big ceiling guys um, by the way, where the hell is Will Fuller? Maybe he's signed by the time this podcast comes out. Probably not, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think these guys—it's all—it's very like team sensitive whether you want to draft them, right? Like for me, I'm not trying to have like the Gabe Davis type, the Will Fuller type, those volatile players as my receiver too. Amari Cooper, another player that you know has kind of sneakily been this player throughout the course of his career. I'm not trying to have the the high ceiling, low floor guys as my like receiver too. But if I've drafted two rock solid guys, you know, T Higgins and Keenan Allen to just not even use like a really high end example. Like I feel really good about those guys throughout the course of the throughout the course of the week, throughout the course of the season. And then Gabe Davis or the the mic drop guys, my receiver three. I'm so much more willing to do that in that situation. Yep. Yep.
1: Fully agree.
0: You got it. And and the good news is now there's just an absolute ton of good receivers so you can really think of you can you got options here to play with this one uh, making your roster compliment itself all right Andy give me your third uh, mistake that people make
1: yeah um people get hung up on strength of schedule all the time and they particularly talk about like you know I've seen this a little bit lately with uh Najee Harris a discussion about Najee Harris's strength of schedule oh it's really bad you got to avoid this guy can't be a first-round pick like this is this is just sort of the illusion of foreknowledge, um, right? Like we we have no idea who the great defenses are going to be in December. Um, you you can have an inkling based on like what personnel looks like right now. But, you know, going into uh, last season, for example, we would have sworn up and down that like, man, you got to you got to steer clear of that Ravens defense. And then right. by the end of the year, they're last in the league in passing. Everybody in the secondary is hurt. Teams are clowning them in December, right? Um, it, it was really bad. Like we're we're just bad at predicting defensive strength. Generally, we're bad at doing it for fantasy purposes. We're we're kind of sneaky bad at doing it for real life purposes. But the idea in a in a league that you know you said it before, a league that is absolutely ruled by chaos, that is ruled by injury and all sorts of things that are that are difficult to predict you just can't make November and December plans in, uh, in August and September. It's just a total fool's errand and to use season long strength of schedule as any sort of, even a tiebreaker is, is to me sort of nonsensical. I'll, I'll grant you that like, and I, you know, here's the, here's the exception for me. Um, when I'm, when I'm drafting like a defense, I'll look at the September schedule for that. Like the Colts happen to have a really, what seems like a friendly schedule. The Browns have what seems like a pretty friendly schedule early in the season. So that'll be a little bit of a tiebreaker for me. I'm trying to avoid, you know, really difficult matchups in week one, something like that. But beyond, I don't know, beyond defensive matchups, I'm just not, I'm not looking at this at all with regard to players that I'm drafting.
0: Yeah, I I agree. It's not even a tiebreaker. Um, Honestly, Andy, your first three uh, mistakes here, like, Trying to get the right backup running back. Trying to focus on bye weeks. <laughs> looking at preparing the schedule. Like your first three lessons could all be grouped in. Like we don't actually know anything. And like <laughs> your your yes. your hubris to um, predict that far in the future can really set you um, set you back. Just a few examples. Like you you mentioned the Ravens. That's a really good example. How about Washington? Like we came into the year <sighs> last year thinking yes. about. Oh man, Washington is going to have a great pass defense. They have all these guys up front. You know Chase Young, Montez Sweat, a bunch of defensive tackles that they draft, like you know Allen. Like they're going to they're going to get after it. And they were t- like they were a, a, a you could destroy them in the passing game. Like they were a joke. The Chargers became like the easiest team you could just run the hell over all season long but nobody was really i mean obviously like looking at defensive dvoa the bottom three teams or oh, the bottom four teams detroit atlanta jacksonville the jets we could probably see we could probably see all those coming but there are other teams too like that are at the bottom the, the next three teams at the bottom baltimore washington and the los yeah. angeles chargers like we didn't really see those ones coming
1: I I had drafted the hell out of Washington too. I was like, well, there's no way that this thing anchored by Chase Young um, talent at different levels of the defense. They, they'd finished the prior season pretty strong. Like I I was, I was pretty all in on Washington. They were, you know, I, I don't know if they were my most commonly drafted defense, but they were up there and I, you know, dropped them almost immediately.
0: On the other end of the extreme, Dallas was second in defensive DVOA last year. We know, and no one saw that coming. Defensive no performances, one. we say it all the time. It's Offense is more stable than defense. Defense can be more volatile year to year. And then people still do this. Well, yeah, you don't want to draft that guy because of his December schedule. It's like, give me a break. You don't you don't know anything from, from either yeah. side of the perspective, strong or weak. All right, Andy and I are going to continue to tell you all the things that you do wrong. I mean, God forbid somebody <laughs> listens to this after they did their draft. That's going to be pretty upsetting we're going to tell you uh, all the things that we all we all do wrong in our fantasy drafts right after we take this break searching for nba playoff coverage we've got you the old man and the three presented by bmw gives you an inside look into the world of sports hosted by former nba sharpshooter and duke legend jj reddick and sports writer tommy alter the old man and the three offers unprecedented access to the league Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, my third one here, I love this one. People getting their feelings hurt, okay? Like... (laughs) <laughs> this guy burned me last year i'm never drafting him again oh man i can't get i can't draft brandon i because of what happened in the first i might be taking this personally i mean you know dra- <laughs> i draft him what happened in the first one of the season never again never well if you have like guys that you're crossing off never again because you got your feelings hurt because they burned you in the past you're gonna miss out on value because guess what if you feel that way other people feel that way right and that Pushes players down the draft board. It gives chances for for value and opportunity. So I just generally think don't get uh, injuries, are another great example. I mean, sometimes obviously, um, you know, our, our friend Scott Pianowski is the ultimate not injury optimist. You don't want to be injury optimistic, but at the same time, injuries can also create value. So just be open-minded and let go of your feelings. N- nothing happened to you personally. Let, let it go. Do you remember how many
1: people were out on Joe Mixon last year because Joe Mixon had, you know, that injury had had sort of scutted his season the year before people swore him off. Um, and then, and then all he did was go out and catch 40 some balls and finish with like 1500 total yards, 16 touchdowns. He was great. He's been a great player every time he's been on the field throughout his career. Um, but people swore him off. Um, and, and you're so right. Carrying grudges from one season to the next Particularly when there's a when there's an injury that explains uh, disappointing performance is is just an outrageous thing to do. It's just a ridiculous thing to do. And it there's this illusion that like we have personal relationships with these players because we and I, I you know I'll fall into it and sometimes I'll you know but if I if I do this, I like, it's really important that you not do it on somebody who could really make you look bad, right? Like don't do it. Um, don't, don't swear off a guy who is going in the first like four or five rounds of a draft because they're going there for a reason. They're, they're right. an actual great player when they are, when they are active. Um, if you want to have these little petty grudges, make sure that you have it with, um, a team defense, a kicker, <laughs> something that isn't going to like absolutely roast you. Do not a tight like, end. do not do not. Yes, yeah, even a tight end, but do not swear off um, like elite running backs.
0: Yeah, I mean everybody. I mean Debo last year. People, I'm sure, were like yes, this guy. Yeah, you know, he was hurt last year, and then again, it can create opportunity. It can create value. I can think of a guy like Allen Robinson this year. There are so many people out there. I drafted this guy last year and he he burned me. Yeah. Well, he was on the bears last year, you know, and and like with a (laughs) terror with a terrible rookie quarterback. And now it's a new year and he's on the Rams, you know, like that's another thing too. Every year is a new year. But, and you'll, and again, you'll know this stuff. If you're going to swear off a guy that burned you last year, you better have been paying attention all summer. And they're like, like Trey Sermon, okay? If you want to swear off Trey Sermon because he burned you last year, probably might have been cut by the time this episode is out. So I'm really blowing this whole evergreen episode thing. But I mean, you know what I mean. The, the guy is clearly not at the top of the depth charter. Is not like in gra- He might be in decent standing. He's not in great standing with the 49ers or something like that. So you want to swear off a guy like that? You better have been paying attention to all summer long. Like there's not like a Brandon Ayuk type drum beat where we're all good. We're all past that. Or like Alan Robinson. He's 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 on the damn Rams now, not the Bears. Hey, people are going
1: to swear off Trey Lance this year because they held him all all season uh, in 2021. Never helped you, you know, never got past Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a there's a pretty fair chance that Trey Lance is going to be a fantasy difference maker this year. I mean, hell, he got two starts and he ran 24 times in those games like he's he's going to be a good player. Um, You can't put him on your do not draft list simply because you had a bad experience with him
0: pretty much just take just get your feelings out of it take your emotions out of it and just just try to try to think with a clear mind I know it can be difficult I get that I've I've said a lot of times the CMC thing you take CMC second overall and and you you're gonna feel like just a complete idiot if by week three he's on injured reserve and like I mean I under I do want to be sensitive to that type of stuff because I get it but the the i got my feelings survey this guy like let it go nothing happened to you personally um all right andy give me your fourth one i i i've had people reach out about salary cap draft advice um so this is a, i'm glad you put this on here
1: yeah this is uh this goes right along with sort of my theme of we we don't know sh- Right. Like there's <laughs> like there, there's not a lot that we can know entering the NFL season. And, and we have this sort of illusion, again, of, of foreknowledge of everything. I, I've never been impressed in my many years of participating in salary cap drafts for fantasy football is different in other sports. But in fantasy football in particular, I've never been impressed with what the people who, you know, save their dollars um, to have late leverage, I've never been impressed with what they do with it. There is, in my mind, virtually no difference between the $1 players and the $4 players. I just, like, like this is the same pool of total flyers, total lottery tickets. I'm, you know, I've literally been in salary cap drafts this year where people, people held, um, you know, few extra bucks for the, for the final moments of the draft. And it bought him like Mike Davis. It bought him, you know, Kendrick Bourne. But like maybe, maybe they're going to be fine. Um, you're not going to win your league because you probably not because you ha- had the extra buck for Kendrick Bourne. All the guys that are like really buzzy end up getting nominated sort of in the in the middle anyway. Like G- George Pickens wasn't a steal for anybody. Damian Pierce wasn't a steal for anybody. Like none of those guys are really steals these folks that, that save leverage for very late, that they just get nothing from it. The, the one thing, you know, the flip side of this, when I get in myself in a salary cap draft, the one thing that I always try to do is I try to assemble a team that I couldn't possibly put together in a snake, right? Like I want two guys from the first round. I, at the King's classic, a couple, a couple weeks ago, uh, in, in Canton, I, I've spent a stupid amount of money on the combination of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Like, you literally couldn't draft that. There's no way you could draft that. I I feel like there's a decent chance between those two. I'm getting somebody who's going to lead the league in receptions and probably receiving yards. Um, I love that combination. You you couldn't draft it. You could draft uh, 10,000 times. You wouldn't get those two together on the same team. It just doesn't happen. You can consider that like a stars and scrubs approach, but really in football, it's just about the fact that we don't know anything when we get an hour into a salary cap draft, right? Like, and those, again, those guys that are like $6, $4, there's no, there's really no difference there. We don't know. This is, this is different in, again, I'll, I'll cite baseball as an example. Sometimes you're saving your money because in the end game, you might get a guy who's projected for 500 at bats or the dollar guys are projected for like 50 or a hundred at bats. And it means a lot in football. It it means so little.
0: It's a great call out. Um, I raised my hand over here. You couldn't, if listeners obviously couldn't see it, but I, I've been that guy many times that like saves my money till the end. And it's like, well, great, now I'm able to spend $4 on this guy that's not going to make a difference for me, you know, that type of stuff. And I think that we've we've said this before, Andy, that if you're going to do the I'm going to get Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, there's probably going to be parts of your roster that stink. And you have to be okay with that. Like, you have to don't tweet that screenshot of that roster out because you're going to get <laughs> flamed but uh you know you can you can make that work basically i think is the is the long and short of it i agree with you i love trying to accumulate a, a roster that you can't you can't have in a snake otherwise like what's the point of this you know what is what is right, the point of right. the, um what's the point of all this but it's tough in a I in a in a salary cap draft that we're in together every year with our with our old colleague Brad, uh, it, it, I end up getting. I don't know. Are we doing that this year? I don't even know. Who who the hell? I knows? hope we're but, doing uh, it. I think we're doing it. I hope so too. But uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Maybe again we'll know by the time we've already recorded this. So I, I think that like I always get banged in that one because it's super flex that throws me off. Like the super flex salary cap is like oh, I always find myself uh, in a ba- in a bad spot there. So. But I I agree that is good advice. Like, don't don't be the one to save for leverage later. That uh, that's a little stupid. Um, My my next one here, and this is not a draft mistake, but I think it's one that uh, Andy, I haven't told you this, but for our waiver wire episode, like we're gonna we're gonna talk about guys every week that like when have you hung on too long? Um, That I definitely want to explore in season because I struggle with that, and nothing is worse than being the one who. We've talked about the Amon Ra St. Brown example. You drafted him. You dropped him. Your league mate wins the league because they picked him up in the middle of the year. But then there's also the the opposite of that, the, the Trey Sermon example. If you drafted Trey Sermon in the, God forbid, 6th and 7th round or something like that last year, and there were leagues where he went in the 6th and 7th round, and you held on to him forever and ever and ever, you that sucks like wh- how long is too long to to hang on because that can really screw you but it nothing again nothing feels worse than like your sleeper coming back to um elbow you out of the championship later on there's a
1: guy i mentioned earlier trey lance um i was in a league last year where i hung on oh, to lance man just yeah. forever um and when i finally dropped him you know, this was in, this is in a a keeper league too. I could have potentially kept him, but I was, you know, I was kind of in the hunt. And, uh, when I, when I eventually dropped Trey Lance, who was like my, God, I'm going to be embarrassed to, I'll have to look it up later, but he was, he was not an insignificant pick for me. I don't know if he was my seventh round pick or something like that. Like it was a, it was pretty there was like real draft capital there uh, expended on Trey Lance. He didn't help me at all. Never started the fantasy industry
0: as a whole. Absolutely got obliterated by rookie quarterbacks last year because yes. we were all yes. obsessed and we'll I'll cop to it. We were obsessed with Trey Lance. We were obsessed with Justin Fields and I don't think anyone expected the leashes to be as long as they were for even Andy Dalton, but especially Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. But then, even like when Justin Fields got out there, he he wasn't he wasn't good. So we all we all got buried by those guys yeah. last
1: year. When I when I eventually dropped Trey Lance in that league, it was for like Kendall Blanton. Um, it, oh. it was the, it was it was one of the saddest transactions that I've ever that I, I've ever uh, experienced in in a life in fantasy. It was it was just terrible. It was it was gutting.
0: Yeah, it's terrible, and and I, I don't. It's a mistake we all make and I feel like we've given advice as how to get past these other mistakes before but man I, I would say the one thing is just w- with these rookie receivers that we talk about, you can draft them and you drop them but be ready to g- grab them back again. like try to like don't forget about them I guess is, is the is the the advice there. like be paying attention to their snap counts their their routes run and stuff like that and be ready to grab them again before somebody else does
1: the The other thing I'll say about this point is that it's so um it, it's so situational based on your based on like your record and your standing in the league at any at any given moment because there are there are times where you know you start a season one and three one and four even if it's bad luck and you kind of like your team like you got to win um, yeah and any anybody who's not playing and I don't like. I don't care what their potential is in the second half of the season because like there's no second half of the season for you if you're one and five if you're one and six, right? like you gotta win now. So there are situations where somebody somebody like Amon Ross St Brown could have reasonably been dropped by a team that just couldn't wait anymore on a guy who wasn't getting enough targets, right? like That happens too. This happens with, with injury guys, um, like injured players who have ambiguous timelines, right? Maybe he's going to be back in four weeks, maybe six weeks. Well, that's an eternity if you're like a two and four team. Right. Um, but it's not, if you're sitting there at five and one and you can afford to wait, maybe you can take a loss, you know? So this is all, you know, it is very difficult to separate that player discussion from like, where are you positioned in your league?
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more, and I mean, I'll just again to come back to accountability for myself. Like the Ayuk example, I mean, I like I say all the time, hey, Ayuk was a, sec- a a top twenty receiver in the second half of the season, and I'm look, I'm I'm not beating myself up about Ayuk. I I couldn't we couldn't have seen the doghouse thing coming, and um, I mean, I'm I was I think I'm right about the player evaluation, right? And I, I say the top twenty receiver thing as to say, hey, I was right that once the if the guy was going to be on the field, he was going to play yeah. well and he was going to put up numbers. But at the same time, I get a lot of people coming back at me and said, that's great. That did nothing for me because I held on to him through the whole doghouse thing. And by the time he was playing and was out there on the field and putting up fantasy numbers, I was already buried because I kept that roster spot when, you know, like Cordero Patterson or something last year, Could I could have picked him up off the waiver wire. Nobody says this specifically, but that's the thing, right? Is you Those roster spots become extremely precious, and especially if you spent – a fifth round pick on Brandon Ayuk like I did in a lot of spots. It was tough. It was tough.
1: I hopefully we can all just agree that it was the Niners beat reporters who failed us last year on both Ayuk and Trey Sermon and it was <laughs> it wasn't really anybody else. It wasn't anybody's fault for drafting them.
0: Uh yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll let that um help me sleep a little bit better at night. Especially <laughs> especially when he catches 10 touchdowns and goes for twelve hundred yards this year. I'll really sleep a lot better at night. But um it's that you know this is the thing is we're podcast is where this episode is gonna get out. There's that week of practice that's like close to the media where apparently just like all all hell broke loose in San Francisco. That's what that's the, the the narrative coming out of this. Now, do we have to be afraid of this week of practice forever? This like closed media? It's like fantasy nightmare. All right, Andy, give me your last one here uh, and then we'll close out with mine.
1: My last one is a pretty minor point, but it it is in my mind because I was I was in a, a live draft last night with John Daigle. It feels like I see John Daigle every day now because we're in all the same leagues together. Um and I, I was drafting near the turn, but not quite at the turn, right? Like if you're this is this is this applies in particular if you're like pick nine, pick 10, pick 11, take a take a moment to look at what the teams around yes. you actually need before you make a pick, because you will often get in situations where and you know, as a draft unfolds, it, it's impossible to keep track of like what everybody's already taken, but it is there in the draft tool. If you want to take a look at it. So last night I'm picking 11, it's a super flex. The team that's picking 12 um, it took two quarterbacks right off the bat um in the first and second round. So that like, they took a tight end pretty early too. So like you can know reasonably which positions they are going to target and are not going to target in the round aheads, Right. So like when I'm picking ahead of them, I didn't really have to worry about them selecting a quarterback when they were up next. Um, so I could let that go and wrap around. Um, this is just a really small, really minor thing, but you, you know, you've probably got a 90 second, 60 second clock in your, in, in your draft, use a few of those seconds to just, account for what people need around you because it will help influence like what you know you need to take right now versus what you can take in a round or two
0: yeah quarterbacks the easy call out like if you're around if you're around that turn there um and you're coming like just check in see if those those folks have taken a quarterback by the way just side note here do you take a lot of time on the clock when you're when you're picking
1: no not usually um it'll happen occasionally. Um, only when I'm, when I'm really trying to sort out like what the people around me are actually going to need. But for the most part, I like to, uh, I I like to kind of go run and shoot. (laughs) I like to know who I'm picking, especially if I'm at the turn, I love firing off like two really quick picks and, uh, and, and making the guy next to me, uh, uh, have to go again when they were hoping for a breather.
0: Oh yeah, that's a great one. That's so like mind mind bending. Like, all right, Andy's got two picks. I'm sure he's gonna say, "Oh my god, I'm already back on the clock." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. I mean, maybe you, you, maybe we're the dorks, Andy. Like, we have nothing else to pay attention to in life, or maybe we're we're sharp <laughs> folks that are just dialed. In. When we're in the draft room, we're dialed in. Uh, because I'm the same way. Like, I'm I'm taking like five seconds because I've been think because I've been thinking ahead. Like, that's a good piece of advice. It's like think ahead start to kind of accumulate whether you use like the draft queue or whatever, um, start to think like, all right, if this happens, this happens, if this happens, I'm gonna take this guy. But if this happens, I would take this player. Like, or just have a collection of guys. This is where tiers help, right? Like, all right, my third round pick is coming up. I want a receiver. These are the guys that are left in my tier. So that way if like, don't just sit there and say, I'm taking DJ Moore. I'm taking DJ Moore Cause then if DJ yeah. Moore goes ahead of you, it's like have a list of guys so that you can take, I mean, I like, can take, you can leave however much time on the, on the clock that you want, I don't, I don't care. It's your life, but I like to make the pick right away. And I've had a couple people actually in a draft room recently be like, wow, Harmon couldn't wait to make that pick. Cause it did it so fast. It's like, no, I'm just paying attention. I'm just like, uh, this is, this is what I'm doing. So well, I the people who
1: take every second, like there's no, you're like dominating time of possession in a fantasy draft. <laughs> it's not, like that's not a, that's not a key to victory. That's not helping anyone.
0: Oh my God. Especially, especially in a salary cap draft. I mean yeah. takes for like it already takes forever. I've get a life, okay? You want to be sitting here looking at this draft room for the next 3 <laughs> hours? Like <laughs> no, I'm trying to go to the bathroom, okay? So just let th- that's the thing. I'm always in draft. Like let's move it along. You've got a minute 30, you're taking the whole damn thing. Give me a break.
1: Other thing I'll just throw out there, if you're in a salary cap draft, you don't have to nominate everybody at a dollar, right? Like you <laughs> yeah, could yeah, yeah. a forty dollar player, you could just go ahead and nominate them at thirty five dollars. That's fine
0: save us all some freaking time. Okay. Like there's, a, there's enough uh, of this going on. I know that people who only draft like one team every year is like, no, this is a sacred occasion for us idiots <laughs> like me and you. It's like, nah, I gotta get, I gotta get to the next one here in 30 minutes anyway. So uh, yeah, that's uh that's my piece of advice. Like just, I think looking ahead of looking ahead and, and like having a plan of the guys that you're going to take at your next pick is a little, is a little bit better than just straight up, uh you know, straight up taking that whole minute 30 like whoa you're so surprised your pick came up like it's an it's in an order here <laughs> uh, my last one mistake people make and this is just kind of a fun one giving a damn about your draft grade I know that Andy um I does this. I love this <laughs> I know that Andy does all of them personally I actually think I, <laughs> I actually think I back when I worked at NFL Network I think I had Dan Hans as fooled for a maybe like at least a millisecond when I told him he said something about the NFL like platform draft grades. And I was like, dude, I write all of those because i like just recently started. And I was like, I have, that's my job. Like I have to do all those Person, I think I had him fooled for just maybe a millisecond. And he probably doesn't even remember that this happened, but I, I, no one, no one is actually writing those. It's a computer and don't tweet it. Don't God forbid. Don't tweet it like me or Andy about it. You can tweet it. Trevor at Yahoo fantasy. Go, go for it. He loves, <laughs> he loves those. And he loves positional eligibility questions. Loves that type of stuff. You can direct That's all those to him. Yeah, yeah. He, Trevor yeah, loves absolutely. that. He's 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 in the lab about Debo Samuel. Don't you worry. He's he's heard all your <laughs> heard all your, your 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 concerns, and he's taking them into account. But don't give don't care about your draft grade. Okay, it's like we've said many times. Some of the ugliest teams that when you leave the draft, they end up winning the league, and stuff doesn't doesn't matter. If you if you don't don't even care one bit about it.
1: I've 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 got some A's before, but I don't know that I've ever won a league with a team that received an A grade, any kind of A grade um, from from Yahoo. Like, not that it isn't fun, and not that the little you know the little write up can't be kind of entertaining, but um, <laughs> there's absolutely no relationship between your draft grade and your ultimate performance in the league. No. That should go without saying. Also, I think like. I I, I've never even looked into it. Like I I've never even really looked into the way that draft grades are generated exactly, but I don't think there's any relationship between like, I don't think they make any adjustments for like the competitiveness or the depth of your league. Right. Like if you're, if you're drafting in like, you know, I'm in a 20 team league. It doesn't draw any distinction between a 20 team league. I don't believe in like an eight team league. So it's going to look at any 20 team roster and be like, Oh, this is a piece of um <laughs> right, and you're <laughs> you're gonna get a D. Like you can't possibly draft a team at a 20 team. You're starting Daryl Williams? What are you doing? Yes, yeah. And I'm like, woo, I'm starting, you know, Benjamin. I've got Daryl Williams too. Like, I'm excited about that. And these guys are like, no, that's a D.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you don't take like if you're one of the the sharps that don't take a kicker or defense that, you know, because you draft there's another week before the season starts, oh, you, you. gate your upside. Oh, they'll they they hate you for that. I mean, listen. If you want to use it as bulletin board material, you know, Yahoo gives you an F, you want to print that bad boy out and you want to nail it to your wall and you want to look at it every day as you wake up because fantasy is just your freaking life, baby. You go for it. But for the most part, it doesn't matter. Don't care. And please don't, please don't get upset about it. And please don't, don't tweet Andy about it. Don't, don't, I'm just asking for peace for Andy Barron's to not be assaulted by the draft grades. If you tweeted anyone, tweet at Dalton. Oh, sure. I mean, he's not—he's not gonna see it. <laughs> 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 he's not gonna see it. So, just uh, just direct it all to Trevor. That's fine. That's what he's there for at Yahoo Fantasy. All right, Andy. Um, anything else? I feel like we've uh, we ran through a lot here. Um, for for mistakes people make. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully you listen to this before you draft and you uh you don't make any of these mistakes.
1: Pretty big draft weekend coming up too. So, uh, yeah, it's well timed
0: well time baby let's go all right that is going to do it for us you can follow andy on twitter at andy barons you can follow me on twitter at matt harman underscore byb and while you're there and tweeting your graph your draft grades to him make sure you're following (laughs) at yahoo fantasy and of course please if you like this leave us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on now if you don't like it um just close the app out and never think about it again and don't leave a review all right i'll be back tomorrow with a very (laughs) very special announcement hell of a week coming up here for the yahoo fantasy football forecast feed until then we're out one two three four those are numbers but you already knew that